everyone, and welcome to the Investing in AI podcast. Uh, I'm Rob May. I'm your host. I am the CTO and founder at Dianthus. And this podcast is a way for me to help you learn and explore interesting things that are going on in the AI space that may impact how you think about investing, new business models, new ideas, and new technologies. Uh, my guest today is uh, Maddie Mantha from Happy Pillar. Uh, Maddie, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. And I'm excited to chat about all things machine learning and Happy Pillar. Yeah. So let's start by outlining the scope of the problem that you solve, right. uh, because it's it's super interesting to me. Mental health in general is all in the news these days. Uh, there are a lot of signs that it got worse during the pandemic. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of startups start to get into this space. Most of them do not have the type of technology that you have. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about where you see the mental health market and then how you identified the opportunity for Happy Pillar? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're right. Mental health has always been important and it's only increasingly relevant now since the pandemic. So we see mental health and even parent tech as, as less of a market and, and more of a need right now. Um, my friend and co-founder Sam sought therapy because of parenting stress and found something that really helped her and her family, right? And she came to me at a time when my sister was also going through something similar. Uh, my sister was a, was a resident uh, then, now she's a cardiology fellow, but she was a resident at the start of the pandemic, working around the clock and also facing a lot of parenting stress. And, and Rob, you know, you have kids, so you know this space very well and what parenting was like and is like during the pandemic. Um, and Sam and I noticed this pattern with parents and caregivers all around us in need of support. Things have definitely gotten worse for parents in the pandemic with changing rules, schools closing and reopening, you know, lack of family support because you want to keep aging family members safe. All the kinds of things that you look forward to in parenting seem like a bad choice or a guilty pleasure. Um, things like trips or in-person music classes you know, play dates, all kinds of things. So it's definitely not a normal time to be a caregiver. And parents are facing, you know, unprecedented anxiety today on top of all of this, not to mention, you know, school shootings and gun violence. So I saw my sister and Sam just kind of struggle and we wanted to meet this need. So we decided to work on something that was scalable and accessible and we wanted to use technology to do it, um, provide parents support, that they need, you know, kind of like a coach in your back pocket that's that's there anytime you need it. And um, yeah, mental health support is not easily accessible. It's economically prohibitive to many. And even when you can't afford it, there are huge wait lists. Um, therapists were part of this great resignation of 2020. Um, and so that's another need that we're trying to meet is that, you know, there are huge wait lists and Happy Pillar opens up access to many. We've talked to several therapists who want to offer this to people on their wait list and allow them to focus on, you know, their existing patients. Um, and it's, it's also something that parents who think that therapy isn't necessarily right for them for a variety of reasons. It could be the severity of the problem. It could be cost. It could be scheduling. Um, it's something that they can use and find the support that they need. There's no insurance diagnosis required um, and access and support is immediate. And it's really interesting because you and I spoke before the podcast started about how there are a lot of marketplaces to match up, you know, people to therapists and all that kind of stuff. The problem is, as you just mentioned, there really aren't enough therapists for the demand. And, you know, the world's getting more complex. It's getting more stressful. 
COVID, all that kind of stuff has has made it harder. Uh, and and we're at this interesting point in time. What's so interesting about you starting Happy Pillar is we're at this point in time where you can actually use technology to do some of this stuff, where even five, six, seven years ago it would have been impossible. So um, so 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 I think the timing is really good. Talk a little bit about explain to us how the Happy Pillar app works, um, and then and then talk a little bit sort of secondarily like. How do you use machine learning, in particular, maybe natural language processing to to solve some of these problems? Yeah, definitely. Um, So Happy Pillar is a self-directed, fully tech-enabled mental health support app. We're not uh, like marketplaces that connect you with real-life therapists because you rightly pointed out that there's a shortage of therapists. All therapists right now have a wait list, um, and it's, and it's, it's hard to get immediate support. Uh, we're also not, you know, fully tech in that there are real life therapists in the mix that have developed this program that pre-vet any kind of machine learning powered recommendations or feedback or guidance or anything like that. So the app lets you do five minute exercises where parents interact with their kid. It could be, you know, you're playing with your kid with Legos or something like that. And within these time box exercises, our in-house therapist trains parents on four specific things that they're supposed to do. And, you know, we call them nice skills. So they're supposed to narrate their kid's behavior. Um, you want to say something like, oh, so I see that you're playing with your red car or something like that. They're supposed to imitate what they're doing. So engage in that activity with them. They're supposed to celebrate their kid's behavior. So you want to say something like, wow, you built such a big tower. And you also want to echo what they're saying. And we also train them on three specific things that they're not supposed to do. So they're not supposed to ask questions um, you know, during these five minutes with your kids, you know, don't tell them what to do. Don't ask them questions and don't do any kind of negative talk. And so the app records the interaction. We do speaker diarization. We diarize the speech and identify the adult versus child speaker. The speech gets converted into text. And then we analyze the text based on these skills, based on these nice skills, the things that you're supposed to do and things that you're not supposed to do. Uh, So we use NLP to process, identify, and categorize these skills. And then we use machine learning, which, you know, pre-vetted by our in-house therapist to provide real-time therapist-created recommendations based on scenarios. Uh, So an example might be, hey, you've asked seven questions during this session. Why don't you rephrase these questions as statements? Or you've celebrated your kid's behavior five times. Why don't we bring that up to 10? Uh, and, you know, that's how we provide them with real-time feedback and identify personalized areas for improvement. And the idea is that as parents keep using the app, we get better at personalization and create, you know, a hyper-personalized parent coaching support tool for them. So that's that's a little bit about how Happy Pillar works and how we, you know, record these interactions, process them and provide them with feedback. It's based off of one specific therapy modality right now called parent-child therapy or play therapy. Uh, And we definitely want to expand into additional modalities like speech therapy, occupational therapy, DBT in, in in the coming years. So one of the things that I can see being a challenge for you, and I'm sure anytime you start a company, there are always things that you go, wow, you didn't expect that. Um, Right. Uh, interesting problems you have to solve that crop up and everything else. But particularly because you deal with natural language processing, uh, mental health deals a lot with emotions. And sometimes that's a difficult area for NLP. So you and I might mean different things when we say we're angry. Or some people constantly overstate things like 
some people learn to use words like anytime they're like slightly frustrated, they're outraged. So they're always saying outraged and outraged to an NLP model, machine learning model might mean something different than just saying angry, right? It might be a right. deeper and more, you know, s- sincere anger or something like that. And so I'm just curious, like what issues like this, have you had any issues like this that you had to deal with? Um, or is it not a issue because kids aren't at this age or like, have you run into any interesting NLP challenges, I guess, is really the question. Yeah. I mean, language is incredibly messy. That's one of the things I like about NLP and, and why I started working in it is that it's a super challenging problem to solve. Like, I don't even want to say solve, but it's a very exciting problem space to be in. And language is messy. I've previously run into issues when I was working on, you know, other things within the conversational AI space. But the the beauty of this particular modality, which actually has been studied for decades, it has strong positive evidence-based outcomes, is that it's not really about the emotional content, but rather about the phrasing. So we guide parents on, on how to speak and interact with their child a certain way for five minutes a day. And the idea is that we want to create a meditative, restorative practice that builds confidence, that you know, enables secure attachment. It builds frustration tolerance. And you can parent however you want, however you typically parent for the other 23 minutes, you know, 23 hours, 55 minutes a day. But within these five minutes, focus on these language and phrasing skills, the content itself, or maybe the emotion or tone sentiment analysis aren't necessarily as important. Uh, But because it's like so well-defined and we're doing things like celebrating your kid's behavior, you're like imitating their play, you're, you know, narrating what they're doing and you're trying to not ask questions or not do any kind of negative talk. We can keep it pretty, you know, pretty well regulated in, in what they're supposed to do and not supposed to do that we haven't necessarily run into issues where um, parents were, were saying things like they were angry or outraged. Now with the kids, um, you know, they could be saying or they could storm off of, you know, out of the the, the session, but we're not necessarily analyzing like kid speech or kid behavior. So it's just parent behavior that we're focused on at the moment. So, so far, I would say we haven't necessarily run into this, although I'm sure that when we start doing speech therapy or we do like DBT or any kind of therapy, we might run into uh, issues like this. So let's, let's move on to a little bit of the technical side now, and let's talk about some of the concerns people have um, both like, you know, technical people and investors think about, um, and then also sometimes customers think about. So uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the data that you keep, your sort of policies around that. Um, and then and then what are your processes for uh, for analyzing some of the stuff? Do you have to tra- retrain models all the time? You know, do they last a while? And then sort of finally, we've seen this move towards foundational models like GPT-3 and all the, you know, BERT and all the things that are coming up out of that. Like, do you do you, are you able to use some of those? Uh, do your models sit on top of those? Like, how does all that interact? Yeah. So, so far we've, we've released two alpha cohorts to over a hundred parent units. We're in private beta right now and in public beta next week to, we have a wait list of over 400, you know, ready to, to use this. And so the data we collect is, you know, this kind of parent child interaction data, we call them happy time. So we store happy time recording sessions, which is just audio data at the moment. Uh, eventually maybe video, we just have to figure out what that would look like. Um, but I also want to note here that we take privacy very seriously and we treat this data as securely as private medical records. 
We use, you know, industry-leading cryptography, follow HIPAA and SOC2 compliance guidelines in how we process and secure any kind of conversation data. And we scrub all PII and all of that stuff. Um, but we are slowly building up a proprietary data set. We have, I think, over six hours worth of data at the moment, continuing to collect these, you know, five-minute sessions. Um, and we right now retrain models on an ad hoc basis. But as we scale and continue to grow our user base, I'm sure like in the next couple of months, we're planning GA in September. We're going to have to implement like a, you know, like a cadence around how often we retrain our models. Right now, ad hoc seems to work for us. Um, and uh, so I think for now, and we're constantly reevaluating. So I think for now, ad hoc is, is going to be the way that we do things. We use, yeah, I mean, we use pre-trained embeddings, uh, some open source NLP models that we've customized and we fine tune them. So yeah, like foundational models in this sense, but we haven't really used GPT-3, at least like there's not, not, not at the moment. Yeah. Okay, cool. And this general idea that you're, that, that you're pursuing, right? You have a services business that is not scalable because a, you know, a therapist can only see so many people in a day. Um, do, do you see this as being a category that more investors, more people that, you know, might listen to a podcast like this should pay attention to where you can take AI and NLP in particular and scale these businesses in unique ways? You know, it did, like, and maybe another way of asking it, did you see other opportunities outside of Happy Pillar? You know, do you, how do you think about Happy Pillar's roadmap to do this? Like, how big do you think this kind of industry could be? Yeah, I mean, that is, that's such an interesting question because this very, like one small specific modality is like so well suited for NLP and machine learning, or at least like to augment something like this with NLP and machine learning, because it is something that even the way that therapists conduct this kind of exercise is that they watch you on Zoom or like listen to you on Zoom or over the phone, interact with your kid. And then at the end of the week, they'll say something like, yeah, this is how your session went. You've asked 10 questions. You should bring them down to three. You know, you've you've celebrated your kid's behavior this way, and this is what we should be doing. So it's very similar to how an app would do it, which is why when we, you know, when Sam, my co-founder, went through this kind of play therapy with her actual real life therapist, and she would get like an Excel sheet at the end of the week that showed her how many times she had praised her kid's behavior and how many times she's asked questions or something like that. Uh, and she was like, yeah, we could totally use technology to do this. It was very well suited for, for tech. And we were, you know, very happy to find something that worked for us that didn't necessarily take away a services business of therapy away from actual therapists, but augmented what they were doing. And we see a very similar thing with, we see, we see that we can scale in two ways. One, we want to offer this in other languages. So in a few months, we want to offer this in Spanish and other commonly spoken languages here in the United States. And we also want to expand into additional therapy or mental health support models, you know, kind of seed future generations in, in getting mental health support as soon as possible so that we could, you know, offer play therapy, which is great for kids age two to seven, and then speech therapy for when they're a little bit older, occupational therapy, DBT, and other kinds of modalities as they continue to grow older. And then, you know, when they're you know, preteens or teens, we hear from therapists about like a lot of, a lot of them saying that, you know, they want to offer kids with support for social media addiction that that kids are facing these days. And so there's like tons of things that we can do using technology. 
We do get questions from investors and also computational linguists that, you know, they've asked us, hey, do you, do you think therapists feel like you're taking away the services business? And the therapists themselves, interestingly enough, didn't at all have this concern. We have a clinical advisory board. We're constantly speaking with therapists and we want to hire more. So they were excited to kind of scale this offering to as many people as possible for a few reasons. One, you know, wait lists are long. And this allows therapists to provide something to waitlist families so that they get some kind of support as soon as they seek it. And then more focused clinical support when they can get on the schedule. And two, like even outside of the waitlist, most kids are not getting any kind of support at all. And therapists couldn't possibly meet all of this demand. Um, I think like according to the CDC, about 10 or 11% of children have received any kind of mental health treatment in the past 12 months. So it's like 90% of kids that haven't received any kind of support at all. Uh, And three, it's like necessary. Therapists want everyone to get help, you know? there's like a study in, in Frontiers in Psychiatry that Sam shared with me that estimates that as many as one in four preschool kids like struggle with psychosocial stress and social emotional issues, both of which might be precursors to, to a later disease. And this kind of age group of like zero to three is the most formative in human brain development. And it carries the potential of like lifelong consequences, both positive and negative. Uh, but still, when you look at the marketplace, support for kids age two to seven is still pretty inadequate. And that's kind of where we come in. You know, we're providing a service that augments what therapists can do um, that's more accessible than traditional therapy. It doesn't require any kind of insurance, diagnosis or scheduling, you know, and it costs around $20 a month. And it's been developed in conjunction with licensed therapists. Um, so that's kind of how we see ourselves fit in and and. And in terms of like how Happy Pillar can expand, I think there's like tons of opportunity and potential here to use technology to like scale something like this. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so one of the questions I like to ask technical people on the podcast is um, what's one technical problem that you wish somebody else would solve to make your life easier, but not something that you're working on at Happy Pillar that you just wish some other startup or yeah. a company would do? Yeah, maybe maybe you can invest in something like this too. I mean, how about like a fully unsupervised NLU recognition system so that you don't have to manually annotate data? Like, I, I don't know if like if that would make your life easier. I'm sure like it would make our lives at Happy Pillar easier too. Just data scientists all over the world would probably be thanking us if they had something that was unsupervised that you don't really have to annotate yourself because we do a ton of annotation right now. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you were talking earlier about um, about, you know, therapists and like, do you, does this put therapists out of jobs? And and it doesn't, right? And and actually what we've seen in a lot of places where you are going to get more automation is two things. Like I'm an investor in companies where they do this for law and they do this for other fields. And it's like, are you going to put the lawyers out of business? Or are you going to put the accountants out of business? Well, it turns out we really don't have enough people for the growth that we are undergoing in general, right? At least in North America. So, Definitely. so that's always helpful. But you do have these new emerging jobs around like data annotation and things like that, that uh, that a lot of people are doing. Um, and so I don't know if AI will always create as many jobs as it destroys. Like if you look out 50 years, like maybe not. Yeah. But I think we've got a quite a long runway before we have to worry about 
AI just does everything better than humans and, you know, nobody has to work. So, yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting that you say that. I mean, we, we are working with, uh, you know, some students and like some therapists who are helping us annotate some of this data because we found that, you know, as a licensed play therapist, you're way better at an- annotating some of, some of these nice skills than, you know, me or, or someone else. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I hate driving. So like a real, like truly autonomous, when I say self-driving, like truly self-driving would be pretty rad. You know, being in Texas, you have to drive a lot, can't get away with a bike or walking. You know, I'm sure you take what, the red line? Yeah. In Kindle Square? Well, yeah. The red line, yeah. yeah. Can't can't get away with, with that here, but would love a truly self-driving car. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to still going to be a ways away from that, but. That too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, so finally, I like to end on this question for all the guests. Uh, there's a lot of different people listen to the podcast. Um, a lot of investors, but a lot of young people as well, uh, sort of up and coming VCs and entrepreneurs. So what is one piece of career advice or life advice that, you know, somebody gave you that had a big impact on you, um, or something that you've learned that you just really want to share with anybody who's listening? Yeah, I think, I think maybe just be open to new ideas and and actually stay genuinely curious is something that I've heard a few times. And I was like, yeah, is it, I don't know. I don't know about that. But then I saw that my career has taken and like careers can take many different directions. I worked in engineering, then product, then I did a bit of management consulting and now with some amazing friends founded happy pillar. So really just focus on finding something you're passionate about and it, then that makes it easier and honestly more fun to stay open and curious. Yeah, that's great advice. And so um, if people want to find out more about Happy Pillar, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I mean, check out happypillar.com. We, you know, it's our website. You can sign up for early access. You can play around with our beta, which is in test flight right now. We'd love to to get anyone to start using it and, and give us some really good feedback. Awesome. Well, Maddie, thanks for being on the podcast Rob, and uh, so we hope to uh, hope to hear from you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.